Alrighty, good everybody, what's up? Welcome to Friday in New Zealand, it's Thursday in America, it's 7 in the morning it's, and it's 2 on the uh, central time, I'm on the Pacific time and we are joined today, uh, Patrick Bet David, how are you mate? I'm good, how you doing? Bro, you are a weapon on the social, you've got a rag to riches story, I flippin' like it, I mess with that shit, I think it's awesome, valuetainment, giving um, free advice, entrepreneurship stuff. Content is a weapon which you have used to help many. In a time like this, we'll just jump straight into it. I know you. I know you don't piss around. I like it. In a time like this, now we're talking about going on offense with content. In your headspace right now for businesses, why do you think that it is the time to get straight into to offense in terms of, I guess, brand story and support for others? If there's ever been a time where it's the gold rush of media, gold, you know, Oklahoma land rush where you got to run like you've never ran before to you know, uh, plant your flag and take your territory. If there's ever been a time like that for content, it's right now because you are never, ever going to get as many eyeballs that are willing to consume content with more available time to consume content than today. Never, unless if we go through another mm -hmm. pandemic in the future, but never in the history of mankind since social media has been out, which, you know, you won't say 10, 15, 20 years, even with media, TV, radio, any of that, we've never had a time where this many eyeballs are going to be watching content. So this is why you're seeing what is happening with numbers. The last three weeks, value taming, I'll just give you our stats so you can kind yeah. of look the basic data. It took us two years to get the channel from zero to 2,000 subs because at that time I was kind of not necessarily sure what the content was going to be about. It was Patrick with David. I was talking about a bunch of different things. Two years later, we changed the channel to Valuetainment. Valuetainment was a publicly traded company out of Germany. CEO, his name was Dirk. His name is Dirk. I called him. I said, I'd like to buy your domain. He says, I'm not selling it. A year later, I got an offer for half a million. And then I bought the domain a year ago for $27,500. So now we own Valuetainment. He changed his company's name to Valuetees. And then now today, we have a million, uh, two million, two hundred thousand subs. In the last three weeks, it's been 120, 140,000 subs just in the last three weeks. Now, let me go to a bigger number here. Netflix, Q1 numbers came up. Netflix, mm. Q1, Netflix, 15 million new subscribers. 15 million new subscribers. Tiger King, 64 million views. The other show with Mark Wahlberg, the movie, 84 million people watched two minutes of the show. And another Spanish series that they had, got 65 million eyeballs. They're now at 183 million eyeballs worldwide because content is king. So if you got good stories, good content, value behind it, this is the best time ever to get started with content. What's been interesting in New Zealand, obviously we've only got you know a couple million people, small market, but as soon as we said that we're going on to lockdown within 48 hours, essentially the entire country shut down, everyone was at home. There was a massive wave of, um, I guess, freak out, but reaction, uh, reaction, re, um, uh, people creating content and, and creating shows and doing everything and there's this huge wave of new creation what i always kind of and i got like a million messages you know what camera are you using what microphone what lights blah 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 and i said to was like that's this is all great but your strategy can't be just reactionarily creating content for the moment you need to be having the long game of the strategy of where it's going to plug into and also realizing that if everyone's got the same tech everyone's got the same time the difference is going to be the talent the difference is going to be what headspace and thinking is going to be able to continue long after this with your with with the the entrepreneurs that um, and it's great too, right? You put it out for free; it gives value. It scales that that thing. Was a main part that you realized you wanted to do it because you 
realized that you couldn't do a million in-person coffees one-to-one, that you knew that content could scale and scale context and get add value out. What was the thinking? Controlling the narrative was the biggest one for me. It was number one. It was controlling the narrative. So originally, when I was, uh, so I was at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. Morgan Stanley is a big uh, um, uh, investment company. They compete with Merrill Lynch and Goldman all the time. I was at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. I leave Goldman. I go to Transamerica. Then I start my own insurance company, October of 09. And we grew it from 66 agents to 14,000 agents. I'm the CEO and I'm the founder of it. And I, in the insurance industry, I'm competing with the too big to fail companies, right? These are massive companies. They've been around since 1868 and I've been around since 2009. And for me to go up against them directly, I can't win. I don't have a $2 billion advertising budget per year. So I went social media and I figured out a different way to get more eyeballs using social media to control the narrative. And that brought a lot of eyeballs back. Now, the second part of why creating content worked uh, for us is I figured out what's the one topic I can't help myself but to talk about. So my one word is the word entrepreneur. I'm a diehard entrepreneur. I'm a diehard capitalist. I can't help myself. I can't stop talking about it. So I originally was talking about a lot of different contents. Lot of different topics then i brought it down to only one which was entrepreneur so we were originally white we were not getting penetration we went deep to one topic we got a lot of penetration then we went wide so the benefit was to go deep into one topic then it gave us a lot of a lot of opportunity to go and touch up other topics that we never touched up on before yeah it's interesting then when you find the gap that you know you can hit and go go for depth and then and then get width out of it it's it's very clear that you know even just we haven't met before in person, but I can tell, you know, you, you got the headspace of focus is very clear with, with how you operate and how you think about things. And, um, you know, I came from, you know, ex, ex snowboard world and, and I've, there's a headspace that I've seen and it only exists, or the one that I've seen with anyway, it exists with ex professional athletes, elite ex professional athletes, high functioning CEOs and ex military. Those are the only three that are, and there's a, and I, I've been trying to figure out what it is. And it's like this, it's this thing. Like, have you, do you feel that as well when you meet other types of people? What other types of people do you, do you meet when you kind of get, there's a, it's like they've been to, like in New Zealand, we've got the All Blacks, right? The big, the big rugby yeah. team and a, and a buddy of mine. And he said, you know, and he's obviously an All Blacks, he's well known. And he goes, you know, you can't describe what it's like to go to those depths of those pain and, and struggle and focus. And the same thing with, you know, entrepreneurship or, or whatever. What's your thinking around, going to that level like i remember actually perfect example your interview with kobe so dope when he talks about the but you could see there was this this focus this 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 depth of thinking and commitment to a passion that you're about how do you think about the headspace of what it takes to go to that next that next level within it within business i think you nailed it i mean you you pretty much said it you know there is a uh, uh so so i have uh 14, agents i have uh, around 400 brokers, and then I have uh, 16 vice presidents. And, and the more the percentages goes on the earners, I started looking at everybody's trend. It's so funny. I had my uh, uh, analyst run a report. This is going to be a weird report that I ran, which some people may call it crazy. <laughs> but nothing's I had, crazy. I, I had to run a report to see which month date of birth was the biggest earner in the history of the company, meaning I took all my agents that have ever gotten a check and I ran their reports of, say, March babies make the most money, April babies make the most money, June January. Babies. Can you hear me now or no? Yeah, I got no, no, I got you. I said January. Was it January? 
No, it wasn't January. Believe it or not, it was not January. It was March who was the highest paid out of everybody. And I have a lot of July guys, a lot of June guys, and all these guys that I had, I'm like, you know, and I hire April babies when it comes on to support because April babies, they're so structured. I, I hire October babies when it comes on to customer service. I hire June, July babies when it comes on to structure training people because they're very good at directional. And then March babies are very serious. They don't play around. They're serious. They when you're when they're leading you, they're not fooling around with you. So you kind of like have to take their counsel because they don't have that area of joking around too much. So I looked at it, I said, you know, it's a pretty interesting trend I noticed from this. Almost everybody who was at the top earner, they all played some kind of a sport at they the high did. level. It's yep. so weird. I mean, you're talking about you had a you said silver, you were number one in New Zealand, and then you go and get the silver. That, that's I mean, that's intense at the level you go to. But almost everybody, and by the way, anybody that I had the most conflict with working with was raised in a family where one of the relatives said, you can't do anything wrong. You're so perfect. We had, we had one of our guys who is one of my favorite guys, and he's still with us till today. But it's like walking on eggshells if you ever challenge this person to improve in an area. And if you want to give any kind of constructive criticism, it has to be so flawless being given to them because God forbid you say something that maybe gets them to be hurt a little bit. You lose them. So I just noticed a couple of trends. The tougher the fathers, the tougher the mothers, the better they did in business, the softer the moms, the softer the dads, the tougher they did, the worse they were in business. The more sports they played, the better they did. And, you know, military yep. it was a little bit easier to work with. Structure. So military is that structure piece, that focus, right? major major uh, trend with that and there's a lot of truth behind that at least with my experience yeah it's and you can always um you can always pick it just off the energy with how they approach things even if it especially with uh, military my my um sister's been uh, air force for 16 years and now just gone gone to army and just the, the headspace shift is just something something crazy i was going to ask in a spot like this a lot of different um entrepreneurs are in a funky spot it's turning to shit recession's coming business is closing it's for banali they've never had a 360 attack on them personally and professionally ever before usually when things are plateauing one little thing can pop up and they sort of get at it when you if you put yourself in their spot and they've never had the weight of that pressure they've never felt all of that how do you approach advice around resetting mentally for someone at the bottom that needs to mentally rebuild for what is not only happening to them reactionary now through COVID, but to but then commercially, what is upcoming emotionally, physically, psychologically, just everything? Like, how do you reset mentally? So uh, you're talking to a guy with very strong opinions in this area where a lot of people disagree with. And uh, it, it's it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong totally. way. And, and I'm totally fine with that. I'm very comfortable with this area. I am right now in my office. Okay. My son is sitting over there. My eight-year-old son is sitting over there. I have 20 employees working right now. I sent uh, many of my employees to work from home. These are folks who are pregnant. These are folks who maybe they have kids who have been on lockdown. But I come to the last five weeks, I've not been to the office two days. And it's been two Sundays because my oldest son, who's got the mic on right now, uh, he had an interesting day one day saying, Dad, why, why are we shutting down? I want to see grandpa. I want to see family. I want to see this. Why can't I go to school? I want to go to school. So these are good kids. I bring him one day. I bring my middle son uh, yesterday. So they swap days because they all want to come to work with daddy. And then I bring my three-year-old daughter with me. She comes on Saturdays and Sundays with me. But this is this is my opinion on this. This is my opinion on this. 
Yesterday, Governor Cuomo out of New York, whom I like the way he's handled a lot of the pressure on the things that's happened in New York. But yesterday, one of the journalists talked and said to him, if you haven't seen this, it's a, it's a powerful exchange. The lady says, what do you say to the people that are small business owners that are in non-essential industries who are wanting to go to work, but they can't? And they're, they're afraid of their businesses going out of business. And he says, well, what's more important, death or their business? And he and she says, these people are okay risking death to make sure their business doesn't go out of business. And he says, well, wait a minute, you can't be thinking that. He says, no, that's exactly how they're thinking. They put their blood and sweat into the business. They don't want to lose that. And then they go back and forth. And finally, he says, well, if you want a job right now, you want to make money, you're making your $600 you know, that they're paying you every week or $1,200. He says, that's nothing to a person making 100 grand a year. You're not giving a person replacing $100,000. What do you tell to those people that are running out of money? The exchange got really strong until eventually he said, why don't you go get a job in the essential industry instead of the non-essential? She says, I'm in the essential. I'm a journalist. But what do you tell the person that's in a non-essential that wants to make the money and the essential industry is not hiring right now? He did not have an answer. So there was a stuck. So now let me take it to a different place. Today, and maybe you were not expecting this answer from me, but I can't help you. No, Today, I get a call. We just signed a million and a half dollar lease in Santa Ana, California. Okay? Santa Ana, California. I said yesterday in a meeting for two hours, I told my guys, I said, look, so right now the first phase we're going through is there's some sort of a bailing out. But people are going to run out of money. And when people run out of money, what happens when desperate times show up? Desperate times call for desperate measures. What are desperate My number one office was broken into yesterday. Everything was stolen out of that office, computer, everything. And this isn't a nice community. This is not in a ghetto community. It's in a very nice community. What happened there? Well, that's the next direction we're going to. What's my point here to you? So to me, when I think about times like this and people call me and they'll say, you're being irresponsible. You know, a lot of people follow your content. How dare you say this kind of stuff? This is not responsible, Pat, what you're doing. People are watching your example to see what you're going to be doing with, with a situation like this. I said, look, I have four kids. Let me name you all four kids that I have. One of them is Patrick. It's my oldest. Then it's Dylan. Then it's Senna. Then it's the insurance company I run. That's also my kid. A woman once told me, she says, Patrick, I've had two kids in the past before and I've given birth to kids. She says, do you know what's the closest thing a man will ever experience the pain of having a child? I said, what is it? Starting a company and making it work. She said, it is not as painful, but the pain lasts longer because to start and build and survive and grow a company for a decade, two decades, it's very painful. So many of these people that are running companies, the entrepreneurs that are following here, I feel their pain because they can't describe the feeling of what it was like to put their entire life savings to put the job on the line. The arguments with the wife, the spouse, the parents that are saying, what are you doing? You got a good job paying you $150,000 your income, $200,000 your income. You want to quit your job and go start your own business? Are you out of your mind? Have you lost it, babe? What are you talking about? And all those nights of fighting, almost running out of money. The entrepreneur goes there. So now let's set that aside. My rant is over with. Now let me get, I get it. Let me let me go to the part of people that are here right now and they're listening saying, So Pat, what do I do now? There's two things. There's two things that you got to be thinking about. We have four different types of people right now in the world. There are those who were calm when we first heard about the coronavirus who are now afraid. Mm -hmm. There are those who were afraid, now they're calm. There are those who were calm, they're still calm. There are those who were afraid, they're still afraid. Let's set aside the people that are afraid and are still afraid. 
Let's set aside the people that are calm and they were calm. Let's set them aside. First thing I did, I was in a, I was, I had a board meeting in LA and while I'm in LA, I get a call telling me, Hey, everybody's canceling the board. They're not traveling in from Greenwich or New York and we're canceling it. Why are you canceling it? We're concerned about coronavirus. By the way, this is like first week of March. Nothing has yet gotten crazy. They're just going through it. So I start doing my research for six hours. We're at the hotel room at Beverly Hills Hilton. I tell my wife, I have my wife and my three kids and my nanny there because we were going to take them to Universal Studios. It's a place we go every four months. I love taking my kids. It's very creative. I said, we're going back to Dallas. We come back to Dallas. I come back to Dallas. My business model is all face-to-face. If I don't do face-to-face, it's not auto insurance. Auto insurance, you never meet your agent. Life insurance, you buy it from somebody. You don't buy it like on a call or a website like Progressive. So I come back immediately. I call all my carriers. I held an emergency meeting. We sat down. We said every single presentation has to be converted to Zoom ASAP. So we change every presentation to Zoom. We change every presentation to E. I called every carrier to see how quickly they were going to take E apps without needing the typical uh, uh, going through delivery, all this other stuff. I'm in insurance, so it's a little bit technical of an industry. Immediately, the carriers who were pivoting, we pivoted with them. Long story short, March ended up being my biggest month ever in policies. We wrote 6,419 policies this March. Last March, we wrote 4,779. This March, we wrote 313 annuities for $19,335,000. Last March was 205 annuities for $8.75 million. So we had a big March because we adapted ASAP. The people that are paying a big price are the ones that are moving very slowly. If you move slowly, you're done. So everyone falls under three categories. You're either going to shut down and go out of business. You're either going to barely survive or you're going to come out stronger. There are many opportunities to come out stronger, but you have to pivot and speed up. Every single decision you're making has got to get faster than ever before. You do that. When this thing is over with, you'll have an upper hand. If you don't, it's going to be a tough uh, recovery for you. Yeah, I was talking to some crew yesterday, obviously, you know, buddies on boards and bits and pieces. And I kind of we said, if you've got a seat at the table, you're twice as busy working double fast. If you don't, you're doing nothing. And it kind of comes down to offense versus defense, right? Mentally, where, you, where you're at with how you approach it, how brave you're going to be to think horizontal and laterally to how to p- potentially pivot your business into different verticals to survive, all the rest of it. So, you know, I was on a call yesterday and I just said, look, the rules are all out the flipping window. Stuff all that noise. You got to get out there and get at it and just go stuff the way it has done. Figure out what product or service you have right now to solve the exact problem for the exact person and figure out how to get to that exact decision maker, the person, as fast as possible. Everything else in the middle is flipping gone burgers, right? So how do you think around offense versus defense in a time like this? Usually if they're on defense, you're talking about them that, that um, I guess are scared to go forward. If you're a small business that is currently thinking defense and you know you need to be offense, what advice will you have for them now? So so uh, uh, if there's, you know, sometimes in business, uh, creativity hurts because sometimes you're making the systems uh, too creative and you hurt the process. Uh, and, and sometimes creative guys hurt themselves in business because they're always changing. What about this? What about that? What about this? This is a time where you got to be creative. And this is also a time where you have to realize to focus more than ever before. By the way, I'm not talking the general focus. You better be focused, you know, because the key is to be focused. Here's what I mean by focused. Last 129 months, economic expansion. We've never had 129 months. It's insanity. 129 months. We've been spoiled 
The market's gone up. You just throw money in the market. You're making a lot of money. You seem like a good investor because you know what you're doing. Okay. There's a lot of people in the last 129 months that have gradually, it's not even intentionally, and they don't even know they're doing this, they've become generalists instead of specialists. Okay. And they've been generalizing instead of specializing. Where today you have to go back to specializing and you have to get rid of those products that you're selling that are not part of your core. Blue Ocean Strategy concept, that book that was written a few years ago, it applies more today than ever before. Every single entrepreneur needs to go buy the book Blue Ocean Strategy today and devour it in one sitting and adjust ASAP to creating their Blue Ocean Strategy today to focus. So when you do that, the offense becomes the following. When I had my conversation with my guys, I said, look, and I've been interviewing a lot of people on the coronavirus side, the experts, the conspiracy theorists, the biowarfare, the chemical warfare, every one of these guys, just to kind of see everybody's perspective and, you know, to see what they're saying. This ain't going away. I mean, meaning there's going to be more of these. The fact that we responded this way to it, it means it's going to be many more times that we're going to shut down again. So whatever business model anybody is creating, to make it bulletproof, you have to create a business model that lasts, assuming it's going to be like this for the next two decades. I don't know if that made sense or not. You have to, no, no, no. Okay. Yep. to create your business model, assuming coronavirus is going to be around for the next 20 years. You can't say, when it goes away. Well, when it goes away, well, when it goes away. Nope, it's official. The official thing is, the next time something like this comes up, you better believe if politicians and governors did it once, the next politician, if they don't do it, media is going to say, what an irresponsible move. This is not the right thing to do. They're going to be so pressured to shut down again that it's going to happen again. So my entire game plan is based on moving everything as if these times are going to be around forever. If you make that move, you'll be bulletproof. If you don't, the politicians and media is going to control how much momentum you're able to build with your business over and over and over again. I don't recommend that. Yeah, the, the pivots of offline to online business have happened so fast. People transform entirely into the cloud within within hours. You know, the, the wave that, I mean, on Tuesday in New Zealand, we go from a level four to a three. So essential services can start back up and we start to get the wheels slowly start rolling. Um, there's going to be so many different um, gaps in businesses that have been, you know, um, shown and exploited through this, this massive shift. So, but the reality is we're not going to be going back to that old world. Everything's now on these kind of, this, these new cloud sort of train tracks. When you look at the New Zealand, uh, the American market, obviously, you know, New Zealand's smaller, but technically as a nation, we probably will be one of the first in the world to be back open for business or back in business in the world and be a, a, a safe spot. What's your biggest fear from a American side in business and then a macro for, for, for global trade potentially after this, if you're thinking in a 20 year span? Yeah, so for me, uh, one of the things that is extremely a big concern is the amount of influence media is having on controlling panic. And I don't know if I'm even making sense when I'm saying panic because- um, Across the narrative. Narrative. Yeah. yeah. So, so they make money off of three C-letter words, change, conflict, and, uh, you know, whether you want to call it conspiracy or, you know, any of that stuff, that's how they make money. Media makes money saying a, a source has told us that there is a 73% likelihood of, oh my gosh, 
We don't know who the source is, but the source has told us. And oh, my, and the next, you know, 78,000 people share an article and then 59,000 aunties are telling 59,000 uncles about what's going on. Those uncles are sharing it with 228,000 nephews and nieces who share with 1.8 million friends. And the next thing you know, you and I hear about it. We have to be careful. We have to be this. We have to be that. Recency so, bias. Right. Yeah. Let me tell you, we have to be very, very careful with media. Very. By the way, they're all on the same team because they make money off of eyeballs. Yeah, they we could talk. So we could, in New Zealand, it, we have a, a big issue. The, the the media model is fundamentally broken. It's still d driven off the media sales of of cost per click of and uh, cost per thousand impressions, and so it's basically become clickbait headline reading for survival for the ecosystem. Bauer Media just went under or just decided to leave. There still isn't a. Uh, model which is dangerous to the exact point because then when you have recency bias and it's the latest thing you've seen it starts to become pretty pretty dangerous for all so i i mess with you heavy on that continue yeah. it's good think about it imagine if i were to put, put a contest right now and i was to say uh robert i'm going to give you a million dollars if you in the next 48 hours can spread a lie to 100,000 people could you do it shit yes <laughs> <laughs> What if I told you I'm going to give you a million dollars if in the next 48 hours I want you to spread a lie and scare the hell out of people mm. in drinking milk, in drinking water, in yep. playing. It doesn't matter what it is. I can run a campaign. You know how these guys, well, the toughest man in the world will give you a million dollars if you can knock everybody out. Guys want to come out and want to fight. If I give a million dollars saying, let's see if you can spread a lie to a million people and mm -hmm. tell them the fact that iPads are terrible for marriages or I, whatever lie we create. We have to know that the media has a lot of control. This is why when I said to you controlling the narrative is the, my number one reason for creating content is because I get to control the narrative and I can't be bullied. It's not just about being famous. It's not just about eyeballs. It's about everybody has to go against media. Everybody has to hold those guys accountable because they're spreading lies and they're scaring the hell out of people and they're sensationalizing. We have to be careful with that. And that goes across the board with everybody. Mm -hmm. So now moving forward, what other things would be things that, uh, that I'd be worried about with America? You said as far as globally or in U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, U.S., you know, I'd like to see the next uh, campaign that takes place with presidents. I'd love to see U.S. politically our climate change into uh, the point where we choose a Republican president with a Democratic uh, a VP or we choose a Democratic president with a Republican VP, because I think that's the direction we're going to. It's like an arranged marriage, mate. I would not be surprised if, you know how everybody right now is, we have to pick a woman for VP, or we have to pick a woman for, we have to pick a colored man, we have to pick a Latino. I don't care if it's a man, woman, Latino, black, white. I don't care what it is. I do care that it's one Republican, one Democrat, because they need to fight behind closed doors, and they need to push each other, and then they're able to move things over. That's one thing with America. The other part with China, and I'll wrap this one up and I'll turn it over to you with China, is I don't think anybody in the world trusts China anymore. UK just cut uh, the deal with China. And I know some people need them because China buys oil from yeah. Iran and all this stuff. It's purely business-wise, yes. But UK just cut their ties with China on 5G. And they said, no, we're not doing 5G. And China said, if you don't, some bad things could happen to you. This was just written in an open letter. And France right now is being threatened by China saying, if you don't use Huawei and our 5G, we are not going to send these ventilators to you. 
So China started to bully, but also at the same time when coronavirus took place and they allowed 5 million people to fly out of their airport to other countries. For the holiday. I think, I think the world is going to come together, whether it's the World Tribunal and find a way to hold these guys accountable. I think those things will change. It'll be way more sensitive traveling than ever before. And they have to start thinking about uh, what to do fairly quickly. They can't be lagging in this area. But things are going to change very quickly. Yeah, man. I... It's, I was saying when they open back up the trade, it's going to be this, everyone's talking about, you know, hyper-local resiliency to back your local and support there and, you know, manufacture in your own country. But then with so much of the trade that exists globally, it's traveling over these, you know, um, these diplomats going and doing deals. But it's going to be, the tension's going to be really weird as, the, as this plays out because it's going to be, I simultaneously need you as a backup for a bunch of shit, which I potentially don't need right now, but I need to be looking out for New Zealand number one, America number one, Canada number one. And so the dynamics of politics politics with how deals get done is going to be so so sensitive for this for the next decade right because as well as the second wave and third waves come it's going to change the the dynamics of it and it's good that there's at least conversation about it because usually we wouldn't have this behind closed doors but i mean now we're using technology to connect up in real time two different continents that didn't really exist the same way 10 or 15 years ago so data and intel and and, and i guess content and media can be shared a lot more openly for different thoughts and stuff so i, I think there's going to be just an organic tension between all of the people that are communicating with each other versus potentially just those that need to balanced off one or two it's going to be i'm a, a little bit cautious because it's going to be like let's be friends because i need you but stuff you because i only care about my country you know <laughs> like that's gonna that's gonna be a thing oh a hundred percent and by the way the right thing to do whether you're running new zealand whether you're running us or any country is to be thinking about your people first that has you got to, to everyone has to yeah new zealand has to think about the citizens of new zealand and they cannot be bullied around by a country like China. And uh, you're going to see made in China change a lot. You're not uh, people are going to be willing to pay 20 percent more for something they're buying or even 50 percent more for what they're buying uh, uh, to to protect the long term. Look, I have a few things I teach my kids every day. If I ask my son right now, what are the four things we do as a family? He would say lead, respect, improve, love. OK, lead, respect, improve, love. Lead in every situation you're in. Respect people because everybody has something to teach you improve because it's the one thing that gives you peace knowing things are going to get better and love people because everybody needs more love in their lives but then i say we don't bully people and we don't get bullied china's bullying a lot of people and they have to be very careful with it i don't know what happened behind closed doors but i can tell you one thing for a fact it's funny that when the tariff negotiations were going on and trump was pushing hardcore with the tariffs on china tariffs on china tariffs on china and the economy was growing in U.S. and things were pretty decent in U.S. And all of a sudden this happened. I'm not stipulating anything, but all I'm saying is if you're worried about your people and your country, you have to be skeptical in many, many areas and not necessarily paranoid. But Andy Grohl, the legendary entrepreneur, wrote a book that I recommend all the time. And he said only the paranoid survive. If you're running a country today, if there's ever been a word that you have to follow, is only the paranoid survive today. You got to stay very paranoid to protect your guys and your people and your citizens. I get it. Um, I know you're a busy man. We've gone pray over what was expected, so I definitely appreciate the time. Um, best of luck in Texas, and thanks for such open, solid banter. And just at a, at a macro level, the fact where you can, you know, 
control the narrative, get out the info to all, going deep and genuinely helping a whole bunch of people is pretty awesome. And and the cool thing is, you know, you talk about your, your four kids with what you're teaching them. I th I've thought about, you know, because we're now in this digital age, your kids, kids, kids are going to be scrolling back through your timeline in 20 and in, in 100 years from now and they will know they can see every piece. And I think those breadcrumbs of, of legacy is something that I think you should be very proud of. So good on you, bro. It's, it's awesome that you appreciate the time. I, I agree and I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Shot, brother. Talk soon. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Later, bro. Peace. Weapon. Flipping weapon. Solid start. Really good getting international um, thoughts. Really good seeing the different different um, things at a, at a way bigger level. There's always levels to the shit, right? You know, you're dabbling around here and there's always some other flipping gnarly shit that's popping on top. And there's always some other gnarly shit that's popping on top. So, uh, that was a flipping, that was a good one. Um, Valuetainment, if you haven't seen, you know, um, dudes are whipping all, all over the show. So, I was um, ready to get another, another guest in the mix. Hope you're enjoying the Friday. Rock and roll on to the rest. And I'll see you soon. Peace.